This audio is from the Axis Church and is from our sermon series, The Gospel of Matthew, Following the Unexpected King. For more information about the Axis Church or its mission in Nashville, Tennessee, go to theaxischurch.org. Let's pray and we will jump into Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13. Lord, would you come and be with us? Would you be near us? And would you work in us, informing us of truth? Lord, we humbly, uh, Lord, come to you as our authority and your word is our authority. And we want to sit at your feet and learn from you. Lord, would we, yes, would we hear what I'm saying as a teacher, a preacher, but Lord, would we all find ourselves sitting, listening to the great teacher, Lord, listening to what the Spirit of God would have to say to us today. Lord, inform us and change us, transform us for your glory and the, the furtherance of your kingdom that you have established, that you are establishing, and that you will forever have in eternity, Lord, help us advance that kingdom. Lord, use me. Would I practically make sense? And would you use what I have prepared for the furtherance of that kingdom and for the good of these people? Lord, thank you for your promises that you'll do these things. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. So, Miss Mimi read this for us. Uh, Jesus essentially is saying that his followers are two things, salt and light. And we'll see that they're very closely related in the same thing. Essentially, they are tools for, the, for God to use for his glory and the advancement of his kingdom and being salt and light. This is that analogy, that illustration. So I come here and I'm asking, well, am, do I realize this? Am I, am I salt? Am I light? And, and then what does that mean? And, and what if I'm not? What if, what if I don't really consider myself light or salt? And how's this play out today? Hopefully we'll discover some of these things today. Let's start in verse 13. Um, Follow along as I read this verse. He says, you are the salt of the earth. Already there's, there's a lot happening right here. He's being very specific. He's speaking to these disciples, those who are citizens of his kingdom, you. And it's not a promise. You will be. It's a statement. You are. Okay, you are the salt of the earth, global impact, advancement of his, of his mission. It's not just for you and your small little huddle. It's already thinking big, uh, earth. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown down, thrown out, and trampled under people's feet. So here, this context, the Hebrews, the original audience, would have viewed salt as, an, as a, a means of purification or uh, preserving meat, preserving things, before they would have thought, I need some salt on my food. Like, it, that stuff kind of makes things taste better. It makes popcorn taste better. kind of brings the blah out of food. It, like, makes it pop, right? No, no pun, back to popcorn. That was not intentional. All right? I'm not, not, not that... Weird. Um, So salt has a very deep meaning in this culture. You see, if salt is mixed with impurities, it becomes useless. And, And salt that lacks taste or saltiness 
It lacks its value. It was intended to be this, and it loses its worth when, when it's mixed with other impurities. These Jews, they would soak food in salt to preserve it in order to slow the decaying process. And here we see that Jesus is thinking of salt functioning as that preservative, as an enemy of decay, and is also giving flavor and taste to food. Now those who have had any time spent in chemistry that are with us today, or or those who uh, have studied uh, particular sciences, probably know that there's a problem here. You hear Jesus say this, and you're like, oh, wait a minute, that's, that's not true. You see, it's impossible for salt to lose its saltiness. Sodium chloride, salt, is a stable compound. However, most salt in this region, in this culture, would have been harvested from salt marshes rather than just the mere evaporation of salt water. So it would contain many impurities. And then the actual salt, being more soluble than the other impurities, would leach out or become diluted, leaving a residue so weak and watered and thinned out that it was of no value. It was of no worth. So Jesus actually, in historic context, understands this, and this is why he's speaking of this and using it as an analogy. It actually works. Now let's shift to light, okay? And then we're going to pull these together, and then we'll wrap up. So let's look at light, verses 14 through 16. Again, very specific here, you are citizens, he's speaking to citizens of his kingdom, and he's speaking a statement, not a promise. You are the light of the world. Again, global impact, huge. Not just for your little huddle, huge. Big mission. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. By the way, that's the first time Father has been used here. This is, this is really beautiful, uh, speaking of this identity of seeing God as Father. Jesus changed the way that we view God when he said Father, right? This is huge. All right, so light is an expression applied to Jesus. We see that in John 8, 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Speaking of more than just in this life, a practical light, but eternal life, eternal light, enlightenment. So it's, it's interesting to see that not only is it attached to Jesus, but we're shown here that it's, it's applied to his followers, to the citizens of his kingdom, to his disciples. Christ himself is the light, and Christians are his followers reflecting Christ, reflecting Jesus to the world of darkness. Now remember that this is coming out of context last week where we talked about being peacemakers in a world of persecution and resistance to the light going into the darkness. You see, Christians are seen by unbelievers in the world, but not of the world, and that makes a difference. They're together, but different. Christians, shining your light, truly shining your light, will invite persecution. 
Don't think grand persecution, especially here where we have such incredible freedoms in America. Don't think of being murdered like so many thousands of people will today around the world for being Christians and doing what we're doing right here. There's no one who's going to arrest us when we leave these doors today. That's a radical blessing of God in our country. And I'm afraid I take it for granted a lot. You see, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And, and shining this light will bring this persecution because the, the darkness is, is hostile to, to the light. But we should not hide our light from others because it's by shining our light, even in the face of persecution, that our Father is glorified. And for those who are Christians, we must know that there is no greater thing for us to live for, for us to pursue, or for us to be committed to than for God, our Father, to be glorified, for Him to be famous. This is the very aim of our existence. This is it. There's nothing greater that we live for. There's nothing other than the glory of God being pursued in our lives that we should live for. But we know that's not the case. My prayer is that we will more and more and more seek to live for the glory of God and not our own comfort, not our own control, not our own personal preferences, not finding particular little holy huddles where we can hang out and feel safe, but that we would live our lives, that we would wake up every day with one grand thought on our mind, the glory of God. How can he receive glory through my existence today? And then how can I sleep for the glory of God? Like, meaning, when do I go to bed and when do I get up? Like, how does my sleep even make much of him? This is... This is at the very core of the Christian. Is they, this is their purpose. This is why we exist. We exist to, to glorify God. You see, we're to shine out of a concern for the darkness. We are to shine out of love for those who are in darkness in obedience to God so that others will see the light by what you do and by what you say, and they will be saved They'll be saved as you're shining your light. And then they will in turn glorify God and begin making disciples as you're making disciples. So God receives glory as we shine our light. And yes, they will see our good works, but that is, that's different than what the Pharisees so often pursued to be seen by men. They pray on the street corner to receive glory for themselves. They go and do righteous acts to be seen by others. That, that heart issue, that's not what Christ is getting at here, to be seen. He's not saying go be seen in that way. Yes, we will be seen as we shine our light, but we are seen so that the Father would be seen. It's, it's the light that shines. It's not the bearer of the light that shines. We simply are reflecting Christ. It is the light that makes the difference. We're not that light. He is that light, and we are mere reflectors of his light so that when they see it, they don't think, oh, how awesome he is. They think how awesome God is, right? This is what Jesus is getting at here. However, in today's Christian culture, it... We don't really shine. We don't shine well. Like Christ says, the basket has so often covered our lamp. 
We don't shine in darkness, perhaps, because we don't truly understand what it means for those around us who are in darkness, that they will literally spend eternity in separation from God in hell. That that's, we don't really understand like, how real that is and how true, factual that is. That when people die without Jesus, they die and go to hell. That doesn't hit us. That doesn't, that doesn't really settle in on us. Because if it did, it would not produce apathy, it would produce urgency. It would not produce disobedience, it would produce obedience. It would not result in us placing a basket, but trying to shine as brightly as we possibly could so that they could not miss it. Another, another reason perhaps that we, we don't shine as we should is because we simply are apathetic. That we're too concerned about being accepted by all. That we're concerned about being popular. That we're concerned about being comfortable. And that's where we really put our focus. We'll shine up into the line of it ruining my street cred. We'll shine until it gets kind of like uncomfortable when people that I hang out with aren't really like me. We'll use our personal platforms for, for many, many things, but not for the glory of God and the salvation of peoples. That's pushing it. I'm not being relevant if I do that. He doesn't say you'll be relevant. In context, he's saying you'll be persecuted for this. In essence, our light is under a basket and our salt has lost its saltiness. We're no longer concerned with, with living the purpose by which we were called out of darkness and why we had been restored to saltiness. You know, we just launched eight Axis communities last week. And they're not just about us, merely filling our brains with theological information. That's not the point. That is not the point. That is not the point of our Axis communities. Our Axis communities exist for us to team together in giving light to the world and sharing the salt to the earth. This is why we have things like the Axis communities that exist here at the Axis. So we must ask ourselves, will we hide the light in our Axis communities? Will we keep the salt only on our table? in our Axis communities? Or will we go and preach Jesus? The king has come. See him. Look, look at him. Can you believe how wonderful he is? Do you see what he did for us? He, he came and lived for us a perfect life. He, you know, he died for our sins so that we would not only have his righteousness, but we would also have his perfection. He never sinned. He was perfect for us. And he, he took, we, we had a verse up, I believe it was out of 1 John, during our song a while ago, and it talked about the word propitiation. That means he stood in our place on the cross there, hanging, not just dying, but absorbing the very wrath of God that's due us because of our sin. And he took that upon himself. He took full responsibility of you in order to produce you a 100 in class where you are accepted and good enough and approved by God, welcomed into heaven when you pass in this life, whether it be through natural cause or by death, by persecution. Jesus did this for us. He beat death. 
The cross wasn't the end. He beat death for us. So death is no longer something to be feared or something to dread whatsoever. It's simply, it's overplayed, but it's true. It's simply a door into heaven. It's a door into paradise. It is a door into perfect, eternal peace and satisfaction like we've never, ever imagined. This is what Christ has done for us. He has come, and we preach this. This is what it means to share the light. It's not just in doing good things. It's doing wonderful, good things with the gospel being preached and proclaimed. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. Church, hear this. Church, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We are darkness, but by God's mercy and his grace, he has shown in us the light. And this light is the revelation of, of who God is. It's the revelation of who Jesus is and what he accomplished for us. And it's a revelation of who we are before Christ, hopeless, dead, enemies of God, and now after Christ, reconciled, redeemed, restored, adopted, given an inheritance, cherished, adored, prized, loved, sealed, protected, guided, comforted. <laughs> this is crazy. This is so wonderful. This should move us hearing this stuff. We, these things have been revealed to us, not just for us to, to feel, though, yes, let's feel, let's, let's experience the joy of our salvation, but let's share that with others. You're drinking from a beautiful, crystal clear well. Invite others who are licking dirt for water. Invite them to taste and see that the Lord is good. The task of all disciples of Jesus, of all the citizens of his kingdom, is to bring the light of the whole world, to share salt to the earth, to share the light with them. And Jesus says here that by being who and what we are, the giving of light and the sharing of salt becomes inevitable. It's impossible for a city to be set on a hill to be hidden. Impossible. And the very purpose of being a follower of Jesus is to give this light and to share this salt, to be helpful in the hands of God for the salvation of peoples and the glorifying of himself. The Axis Church is not a, a group that merely gathers on Sunday and then gathers in small gatherings during the week. We, we aren't to huddle up in our, in our building or living rooms and seek to create the most comfortable and conflict-free lives in our little Christian bubble. That's not why the Axis Church exists. We exist not because of us being a building, but by us being a sent people on the mission of God for the glory of God. We are we're God's people called out of darkness to live for God's purpose, which is to glorify him, shining our light into the darkness. This concealment is impossible for disciples who are living out their God-given purposes. It's about revealing the light, not concealing the light. And it's not only about being in the light and, and, and gathering in the church with the church. Light in light at some point becomes irrelevant. Light is light because darkness exists. 
And we must take our light into the darkness. It's a purpose of why we are light. Disciples are not to be worldly or earthly people, as Christ would use the term here, that are indistinguishable from the people who they live around. They're not to be worldly people who are consumed with their own stingy lives of isolation and comfort. The disciples of Jesus, citizens of his kingdom, are to shine for the, for the world of darkness to see the king and to see the savior. They're to shine into darkness in order for the darkness to be reclaimed, redeemed, and saved by our king. They're to shine into the darkness in order for the king to present his eternal kingdom, enlightening those who are in dark places, causing them to glorify the Father forever. And as Christians, this sharing of the light, this giving of the light is not an option that we can choose or choose not. It's a part of being a disciple. Just as much as giving light is for a lamp. That's why Jesus uses this here. This is our purpose. To do anything else other than this being at the center of who we are is not living our purpose that God has saved us to be and to be a part of. Again, Jesus, he has saved us in order for us to give the light that he has given us, resulting in the saving of others and the glorifying of the Father. And it's the, it's the nature of light to shine. And when people receive the light of the gospel, they will shine in a dark world. But let me give a, a word of caution here for those who particularly who have been raised in the church or who have been around the church culture for a while. Because this is where I automatically drift to. I'm just trying to really share my own story here. My prayer is that we will never assume that the light is shining in all parts of our lives. My prayer is that we don't assume that the light is shining in all parts of our heart. Because it's often easy to think of darkness as something that's out. Yes, we have been made perfectly the light, yes, but there's still places we try to protect and keep. That's, that's, our, little, that's our little sin closet. That's our little pet idol. Like, we'll, we'll confess certain things. We're not, we're not, no, this is my friend. And we don't think of this needing the light. We think of others needing the light. We don't think of ourselves needing the light. And we assume. When we assume, we drift. My prayer is that we will know and believe that there is no greater mission field than the, than the soil of our own heart. That should produce humility and not arrogance. And what you're doing as you share Jesus is you're inviting people to taste and see that difference that you're experiencing in your own heart. Not something that you experienced 10 years ago, something you experienced 10 minutes ago. Like that redeeming work of the gospel in your heart. We must be active in allowing the Holy Spirit to do his transforming and sanctifying work in revealing areas of darkness in our own souls, leading us to the joy and privilege of repenting, leading us to be more obedient to the mission of God that he's called us to. We've got to be careful. Certainly, here, salt and light that Jesus gives us, certainly these are immensely useful and helpful. That's implied in him using this example. 
they have great value to a culture. You see, Christian, we too are immensely useful and purposeful as disciples and citizens of Christ's kingdom. However, we often misuse our privilege and our birthright as sons and daughters of God as disciples because we, we naturally drift towards dimming our light and diluting our salt. And we're not to hold back our light from those who are walking in darkness. That should hit us. Christian, we are not to hold back our light from those who are walking in darkness. Light is helpful to those who are wandering in darkness. For the sake of God's glory and the salvation of those very ones that you're concerned with, keeping street cred with. Shine the light. Don't, don't put it under that basket. But we so easily drift to keep it hidden. That's why Jesus is careful to point out this tendency that we have. Because we, drift, we have a dimmer. We, we drift and we just dim ourselves down. We must fight to keep our saltiness. We must fight to keep our light we, we typically, we have a natural bent towards ignorability just to kind of keep peace in order to keep our, our influence and our street cred at certain levels. We must fight to keep ourselves as bright and as helpful as possible. My prayer is that we'll fight the drift by living spirit-filled lives that submit to the word of God every day, eating it, feasting on it as, as daily bread and drinking water from prayer with, with God, just being renewed and restored through communion with him, through praying with him, and that we would, would follow the Spirit's guidance to become a vital part of a church family where we're, where we're learning to live on mission, learning to share our light, fighting the tendency to drift into isolation, fighting the tendency to drift towards dimming, towards becoming similar, too similar perhaps, with that of the darkness. So, I'm going to conclude with telling you how to do this. Here's how you do this. Here's how you accomplish this. Here's how you effectively become salt and the best salt possible. Here's how you become the brightest light possible. You ready? Here's our purpose. Here's how you do it. Ready? You can't. You can't. There's absolutely no way that we can effectively follow what's given to us right here. There's no way that we can live out in obedience what Christ is calling us to do. We can't. We can't white knuckle our way into doing this. We can't just dig deep and suck it up and try harder. At some point, sooner than what we would probably admit, we'll grow frustrated and bitter and cold and snarky and rude. And my friend, please, for the sake of our city, please don't let the Axis Church become that. And if you see that in me, if you see that in each other, out of love, for our city and love for the glory of God, may we tenderly, compassionately call people out of that dark area back into the light because that is going too far.
So how do we fight? Honestly, how do we fight the covering or the dimming of our lights? It's hearing these words of be strong and courageous. Do not fear. I'm with you. It's hearing Jesus as we go back earlier to Matthew saying, I will. I will make you a disciple. I will make you an effective light bearer. I will do this. I will make you salt. We can only live helpful lives in this world by allowing the gospel to work in us, transforming our minds, renewing our hearts, and informing us constantly of our new identity of perfectly accepted by the Father as sons and daughters, no longer fearing rejection. You see, we can fight to be salty, if you will. We can fight to be bright lights, not simply by trying harder, but believing the gospel, but allowing the gospel to work in our hearts, allowing it to free us from the fear of man, allowing us to be freed from the fear of rejection of of man. If I do shine brighter, oh no, I'll be rejected. But it's hearing you've been approved, you've been accepted. Now go shine. There is no ultimate rejection that you have to fear. It's allowing the gospel to work in us, to free us from the lie of comfort and the false, poor savior of living safe, comfortable lives. As we believe the gospel minute by minute, second by second, rehearsing it, teaching it to ourselves, Pursuing further belief in the gospel and what it means for us, you will, you will drift towards, you won't drift, you will intentionally climb and claw through a deeper belief in the gospel, seeing that your identity does not come from what the darkness thinks of you and what they may say and the persecution that they may bring, but by what Jesus has promised you and what Jesus has made you and what God says you truly are, not what the darkness says of you. You're to be obedient. You're not to go until there's rejection. You have been accepted, therefore you go regardless of rejection. Consider Ephesians 2.10. Promise I'm tying this up, okay? We're wrapping up here. Consider this. For we are his workmanship, his craftsmanship, his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works like shining and sharing salt, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There is such peace and assurance as we go out and shine our light that he is in control so we don't have to be. He's he's got this for us. He's just calling us to believe him. We can advance the kingdom of light with confidence that our king has won and he has empowered us and commissioned us to live lives of light. And it should certainly be incredibly empowering that we've already been declared salt. We've already been declared light. You are salt. You are light. Not you will be if you work really hard. You are. Now, we can go and walk in this reality this week out of that identity. We're not being motivated to live lives of mission, of light and salt We're not motivated to do these things out of fear or guilt, but rather because the righteousness of Christ has fully accepted us and approved us in the eyes of God. The love of Christ is there. 
The mercy and grace that he's already shown us is there. The power is there. Now let's go. Go into all the world preaching the gospel, preaching this gospel because it's this gospel that changes people's life. Now, church, let's go. Let's live lives of light. Let's live lives of helpful, useful salt. The world needs Jesus. Nashville needs Jesus. Let's go. Let's pray. Jesus, Lord, will you do your work? Will you move in our hearts? Will you allow the gospel knowledge, Lord, to transform us even in this moment of response and reflection? Lord, would, would we meditate on these things? Lord, even tonight, tomorrow, Lord, later this week when we drift towards insecurity and fear and doubt and comfort, Lord, would you allow the gospel to continue to work in us? Would you allow us to be trained in the gospel? Lord, help us from drifting towards irrelevance of the light. Help us from drifting towards ignorability. Lord, to losing the saltiness and dimming our light. Lord, your glory is what is at stake here, not our comfort. Lord, would your glory be shown in this city and in our region and around the world because a bunch of people in downtown Nashville simply begins to believe you. God, do something special with the people in this room. Lord, bring true hope here. Not that an album going well is going to be hope. Not that a degree in medical fields are going to be what brings ultimate hope. Not by being married or finding a new spouse or by having a, a newer car or a bigger home, Lord, would you allow you to be what truly changes us? And, and let's share that with this city so that we can rest from our search of idols and can find peace and comfort and satisfaction in you. That's what our city needs. God, help us believe that. <laughs> help us as we live. Be with your church. Jesus, use the Axis Church. God, make it what you want it to be. Please, Jesus, I don't want this church to be dim. I don't want it to lose its salt. God, make us useful tools in your hands. People who have been saved by you, sent by you for your glory. Do these things in Christ's name. Amen.